Thank you for joining us on the CFF Podcast. Today, Pastor Pablo Martinez will be inspiring you with a message from the Word of God. We hope you enjoy and welcome home. All right, so sorry about that, guys. Uh, completely my fault. I, I got to be very honest with you. I, have a, I had a whole message and I sent it in earlier. They, were doing, they had done the slides. Whitney knows we did it all. And it was awesome. And it was long and cool and many facts. And then I started praying in the car, and then that's when everything went wrong. Uh, and then uh, I feel like God really asked me to share this message with you uh, instead of what I was going to share. What I was going to share with you was called The Beautiful Mind and How to Have uh, a Beautiful Mind. And, uh, but instead, I feel really compelled to share this with you guys. Is that okay? Yeah. Yes. Um, for the, um, actually, I want to spend as much time as, as it takes, and I don't mean today, I mean over the coming weeks, if that's what it takes. Uh, we've been really praying for this next year. We believe that next year is going to be a year of complete and incredible conquest. Um, we want to see God do amazing, amazing things. So far, it's been great, but it's going to get even better. Um, people here that didn't have their 12, they're going to have their 12. Uh, and we're going back to the basics. Our heart is with our pastor, and we understand that uh, we don't want to just pretend like we're doing the G12 vision. I actually want to do this vision. And here's what I, I feel in my spirit. When uh, Pastor Johnny Tuse came this last weekend, I don't know if you guys received man, but, but the, night, the Saturday night, I felt like, I mean, I mean it, man. It's been, you guys know I'm not like super like spiritual and see stuff all the time everywhere, but I really felt God speak to me about uh, three and a half years, three and a half years, pouring three and a half years. Ask anyone in this place that would, pour their lives for three and a half years onto the gospel, to really give their life to God for three and a half years and see what God does. And the next day, on Sunday morning, Pastor Johnny Tusets says for like four minutes exactly what God had been telling me while I was sitting in that place. I was like, I was translating and I was like, okay, hold on. This, am I having deja vu here? Is this a weird thing? You know, and, uh, and I'm not saying that like, you know, um, I am saying actually, that was a confirmation from God. And I, I really want to give Everything I have to God. Now, this is the rest that I actually felt that if you give God three and a half years, and if after those three and a half years, if God doesn't answer your prayers, if God doesn't surprise you, amaze you, and make you want more, then I'd say go back and do nothing. And keep the way you were doing and uh, live a comfortable Christian life. But if you give three and a half years to God, and He shows up incredibly, then I will tell you give Him the rest of your life. Amen? But three and a half years, three and a half years, remember with me, three and a half years. In these next three and a half years, God's going to do incredible, incredible things. Go ahead, give God a shout of praise. Why not? So today, I want to prepare you for what's coming in these three and a half years. I want to uh, begin uh, this new stage of formation in every person's life in this church. If you're here for the first time, you know that this is a different kind of church already because it's loud. But more... More than that, we're not loud just because we're loud. We're loud because there's conquest. Um, the losing team is usually very quiet. They're very, like, timid. They don't want to say anything because they're getting their butt kicked. And we just don't feel that way. We feel like God is doing incredible things all around us, in us, and we're expecting him to do things, even greater things, through us. And so if you're here today, I want to congratulate you because you have said a big yes, not to your friend, not to your family members, but you said a big yes to what God wants to do in you. And so today is not a conventional night. Today is a night where formation in our lives begins in such a way that you can multiply your life onto other people. Now let me say something before we get any further. 
Why would you want to multiply your life to other people? And the only answer I could come up with is that if it's Christ-like. If your life is Christ-like, you want other people to resemble or to have a part of that life. I love how individuals, we're so different. We like different things. I love getting to know people. I love, I don't like traveling. Like, I don't like going to places, but I like being in places. Does that make sense? I don't like going on the planes. It's not like I'm scared. I just don't like, like, being there seven hours or 12 or 13 hours stuck in this maybe falling I'm just kidding. No, no, no. I'm playing. As we all travel to Colombia in a month. <laughs> I'm playing. I'm playing. Dude, it's a flying building, you know? And, and you're just stuck there for hours and hours. And then babies start crying. And usually they're mine. And it's just embarrassing, you know? Uh, so anyway, so, uh, you know, what, where was I going with this? No, I'm just kidding. So I really enjoy getting to know people because people are very different. But your uniqueness does not annul our unity. Just because you're unique, it doesn't mean we cannot have unity. And where do we find unity? Is it in race? Is it in language? Is it in ethnicity, which is not the same as race? Right? Is it because just we're all human beings? And, but, or is it because, hey, you know, you're a darker shade, so you and I have stuff in common? What is it that should bring us together, if not the love of Christ? If not Christ himself? And so, in my own house, what I know is the best attribute I can bring to my children is not... My smile or my finances, it is my Christ-likeness. What I want most from my wife, believe it or not, is her Christ-likeness to me. Because sometimes, sometimes I think that she, I want my wife to agree with me on everything. But the truth is, I don't want her to agree with me on everything. Otherwise, I would be ruined. And I also don't want my wife to disagree with me on everything. What I want is a godly woman by my side. And what she wants more than a husband that would agree with her and says, be a yes ma'am. Yes, is that, is that a term? Yeah, yeah a yes ma'am or, 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 or a jerk or someone who's authoritative. She just wants somebody that is Christ-like. Because if you're a Christ-like person, that is someone that I'm telling you this, will be a blessing everywhere you go. A multiplying disciple is simply that. Someone that we want to see multiply all around the world. Not we, but we as in God and us. Not just you and I, but God wants his character to be multiplied throughout the world. Here's the difficult thing about this, that influence in this world, sadly, um, doesn't usually lead to Christ. Influence in this world leads further from Christ. And I don't mean always, of course. I don't want to sound bitter and, you know, sad, but... When you have influence, you drive people towards the king of kings. Or do you drive people towards yourself? And so that's the great difference. Today, I would love to encourage you to look at your own life and say, do I have these characteristics of a multiplying disciple? These next, you know, uh, characteristics come not just from us or from Eoni and I and the time we spent in ministry and the people we've seen that we admire, respect, and want to emulate. But also more than that, it comes from the scripture. It comes from the Bible. What kind of person actually multiplies? And what kind of person do you want multiplying around you? If you have these attributes, I am pressed to say that it will not be difficult to grow a ministry. It will not be difficult to grow your influence in the kingdom of God. And I can genuinely say this, it would be a joy to have more of you. I talk to people all day long, and that's not a stretch. Some of you are like, hey, pastor, you know, I don't even want to call pastor because he's busy. Well, yeah, I am busy. That's the whole point. If I wasn't busy, you don't want this pastor. 
Am I making sense? Of course, but I'm busy with you guys. And all the time I'm talking to people. And I realize that some people have the same amount of problems, if not more, than other people. Yet they seem to shine in the midst of issues. Their lives, instead of getting crushed, they grow. Instead of getting stomped on, they are like stepping up over and over and over and over. And I wonder what happens. I wonder what the difference is. I want to start with this. What are the 12 characteristics of a multiplying disciple? Are you guys good? We're ready? All right, let's do this thing. Oh, now my computer doesn't want to do it. Uh-huh. All right, here we go. Maybe we should pray over this technology. Is that good? Can I do that? Is that weird for some of you? Close your eyes. I'm going to pray. Dear God, thank you so much for uh, this amazing day, Lord. Thank you because we get to share your word. Thank you for every person, God, that managed to make it to this place. I thank you, Holy Spirit, because you got here before we ever even did. And I ask you, God, that you please, please, Lord, speak to us. Impact our character in such a way, God, that our families and our generations would be blessed. God, that this world, Lord God, would be different because we are here. God, that we would make a dent in this vast humanity of yours. God, I ask you that you bless every person here, that you stretch us, that you grow us, that you challenge us. In your name we pray. Amen and amen. Awesome. We guys, are you guys good? Yeah? So mine crashed completely. Is yours up still? I'll just go based on that one. So to, uh, I'll do this and then that means the next one. Okay? So, okay, cool, cool, cool. Ah, not yet. So this means go back. Great. So 12 characteristics of a multiplying disciple. The first one is that a multiplying disciple has to have a heart for God. What is it? Heart for God. Now you could say the 12 characteristics for a perfect husband or a perfect wife. Sure, change the title if you want to in your own notes. But this is for a multiplying disciple. The first thing you want to see is a heart for God. What does the Word of God say about having a heart for God? So it's Philippians 3.8. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For whose sake, check this out. I have lost, how many things? All things. I consider them Garbage. That's French. Garbage that I may gain Christ. A heart for God is tested only, check this out, when other important things compete for our time and our attention. Oh, you could say you have a heart for God. Oh, I love Jesus. I love God. Do you really? Because it only comes to play. You could only see it when other things compete for your attention. Let me give you one example like my children. Oh, pastor, don't go there. Yeah, of course I will. Because my kids want my attention all the time. But I love God as well. And my kids are not my world. Oh, that sounds so harsh to some of you guys. My kids are not my kids. They're God's kids. And I get the blessing, blessing to take care of them. They're a gift from God. They really are, of course. But I want you to understand something. Even your children, even your family, even your job, something so good. Even finances, man, even a friendship like, or a boyfriend or a girlfriend, something so honorable can become something that drives you away from God. So it's not about not caring or not loving. Some would say, and I'll pray that my children would one day say that I have been a great father to them. But please listen to me. Before a great father, I want them to know that I was a great child of God. That I love God with all my heart and that I taught them how to serve God before serving them. Now, why do I tell you this? Serving God doesn't mean serving the church. To me, that's a completely separate issue. I serve at the church because I serve God. Please understand it. Otherwise, I will lose my family to you. My kids will have to compete with you for their attention. And that's not the way it is. I serve you when I serve this church because I'm a servant of God. 
I serve my wife and I serve my children because I am a servant of God. And I don't, for one second, please listen, need their approval to do just that. They need to understand that my heart is for God before my heart is for anything else. If my family, my children, my disciples can see this, then we have something to go on. Then you can start becoming a multiplying disciple. If you don't have this, I ask you and I beg you, please stop, refrain from spiritual leadership. Because you have just been disqualified. If other things are priority to you other than loving God, then you will be crushed by serving the king. Why do I say that to you? Because I have seen myself, great men and women of God, their priorities completely shift and the ministry crushes them. Why? Because it is not easy to serve God. But it is amazing to serve God. Now, by the way, I repeat, church is not serving God. I come to church because I love God, because I serve God. Amen? Cool. So the first thing is this. The heart for God is tested when other important things compete for our time and attention. Because when other important things are competing, the best way for me to stop those things from competing. Please listen. This is really cool. I used to think that I had to do less of some things in order to do more of other things. My wife one day shared this amazing secret and I want to share with you for free 99, okay? So um, she told me, it's not that I want you to be less intense about these things or I don't want you to do less of what you love. I just want you to love us as much as you love that. I said, dang, that was confronting because that's how my wife is. I said, but I do love you more. I just want you to show it more. I said, okay, I'll stop golfing. I don't want you to stop golfing. I want you to enjoy mate or whatever you're enjoying with me as much as you would being out in the golf course. I said, oh, that was awesome. By the way, I don't golf at all anymore because of my 144. But anyway, but I absolutely understood what she said. She said, it's not that you stop doing one thing. Oh, does that mean I don't love people because I love to the contrary? Am I making sense with this? Is that now everything you do has a greater purpose. So did you know that everything can fall under the, the umbrella of the service to the king if your heart is right? Yeah. Amen? Next thing. The second thing about a multiplying disciples, dependence on the Holy Spirit. Let's see that verse. Dependence on the Holy Spirit. And we're going to show it in the Bible like this. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience or forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. Not controlling others, but self-control. Not controlling others. Not controlling the situation, but self-control. Somebody give somebody next to you, please, wait, give somebody next to you the elbow real quick. Just a little tap. Tell him he's talking to you. He's talking to you. The Bible says that the fruit of the Spirit helps you to have self-control. Not other control or people control or situation control. Okay, let me show you, put it like this in a phrase. Next one. The phrase is this. Dependence on the Holy Spirit is shown during the times that are out of our control. Oh, sure, you could depend on the Holy Spirit, and you could even speak in tongues to people. You say, hey, how are you doing? You're like, whoa, whoa, this guy's really spiritual. God's revealing to me, Marcos, that you like somebody. He has a beard. It's Marcos. I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, no. You know, God's revealing to me. And you could say all these spiritual things, man. I could tell you that. I could, I could pray. I can, I can say, hey, brother. And I could, you know, read a lot of Bible and recite it. <laughs> and I could tell you I'm spiritual. The fact of the matter is this. You will only be able to tell when things are out of my hands. When I get to trust the one I confess to know. Yeah. If you really know God, you trust God. 
My wife says, I, love, I keep quoting her because she's that awesome. And she tells me this, that, you know, uh, we were talking about, you know, specific people at church. Not bad. Just talking about you guys, you know. We're saying how, you know, a worriness or worrisome, when a person's really worried, all it is is lack of faith with a mask. When you're worried, it's just lack of faith with a mask. What you're really saying is, I don't really trust that God's going to come through, so I'm going to have to just worry about it. <laughs> you know, I don't really believe that God is good, at least not that good, or not good towards me, or that he doesn't really mean that he loves me and that he, all things will work out for good for those that love him and are called according to his name and his purpose. Or maybe that God will provide according to his riches which are in in glory which are in Christ Jesus. But when I don't have enough, I get really stressed out and really worried. Now, I'm not saying we become lazy and super spiritual about the matter and not even care why because God's going to provide. And what I am saying is this, is that learn to trust God when things are out of your control. Leadership, please let me tell you. When a disciple is acting a fool, I'm going to translate that. When a disciple is doing whatever the heck he wants and she wants... And then comes back to you and says, can you please help me? And you said, if you would have taken my advice, we wouldn't be doing this conversation. When your disciple, when the person you're trying to help doesn't want your help, all they want is to cry on you. Things just got really hard really quick. I went from zero to 60 real fast. <laughs> okay, so, uh, yeah. So when you understand that that person belongs to God and not to you, it is so fun to disciple people. When you say, hey, you know what, I'm trying to help you out. You want to knock yourself out? Knock yourself right out. But to understand that God has control and not you, it is a beautiful way to do ministry. You know, I stopped trying to manage people. I am not the manager. God is the owner and the operator of this whole entire organization. Did you know he's the only, <laughs> he's the only CEO, commander-in-chief, whatever you want to say it. He's the only CEO that's been to every single one of his meetings. He's the only one in the entire world that has been to every single meeting, even those that he didn't get invited to. He's been to every one of those meetings. He knows exactly what's going on. Even when that person's acting crazy and you're thinking, ah, man, if I don't do this, and that person won't change. If I don't do this, you know what? Let God be God in their lives. It's so fun to do ministry that way. You won't be burdened. You won't be hurt. At the same time, it is so beautiful to rest in the arms of God. I have so many testimonies and not enough time. But I would love to tell you at least of one. You might have never heard it or maybe you have. But one time, it was really crazy because I was about five years old and we could not pay rent. My mom was uh, the mortgage. My mom was a missionary and we would raise help. Um, and help wasn't coming. Uh, now, my family was really well off, but had cut all ties with my mother because she was not going to be a nun anymore. She, instead, she decided to be a missionary, a Protestant missionary. And so my mom, my mom's mother would not talk to her, and the family kind of disowned her. I needed to hear very carefully because my father was starting to disciple this guy while playing basketball somewhere. Well, my father dies, and five years after his death, we're found in a place where we're broke, we have a nice house and go to a nice school, but not enough to pay both. So I keep getting these little letters that I give to my mom. I don't know what they say because I'm not supposed to open them. But my mom is going through such a hard time. They're about to kick me off that nice school and they're about to take our house and repossess it. My mom doesn't like to ask people 
to borrow anything. And so instead, she goes and puts some of her jewelry in the impound and gets a little bit of cash so that the bank could hold off. And as I remember, as the story continues to be told and over and over, there's something that sometimes I forget. Now that I'm a parent, I can feel the weight of lack of provision. I could just imagine what my mom must have been feeling during that time. But here's what happened. She goes to the bank and tells the banker, hey, can you, you know, uh, you know take this payment for the house? I'm sorry, ma'am, we cannot take your payment anymore. And she said, in her words, that her heart sunk. And she asked, please, let me talk to the manager. Let me talk to somebody. I'm sorry, ma'am, we don't even have your loan here anymore. Please let me talk to somebody. So they went and talked to, you know, the manager or whatever, came down with a manila envelope, said, ma'am, here's the deed of your house. Somebody came in before you and paid the entire thing. It is yours fully now. Now listen, he said to tell, he said his only requirement was that no one was to mention his name or to say who he was. We owed about 30 years still in the house, a beautiful house in Mexico City. There's a single mother with three children that was a missionary. Man, we were about to lose everything. Can I tell you who it was that paid for our house? Some years later, we found out it was not our family. It was no one that was near us. It was that one guy my father was playing basketball with about eight years before this event. So three years before he passed away, five years after. Do you can you imagine that God had planned, listen to this. While my father was getting dressed that morning to play basketball, well, he picked up his sneakers, put them on, decided to go to that court and not that other court, decided to witness to the guy. He had already provided for our needs, according to his riches, which are in Christ Jesus. Before we even knew it, this young man was so broke, he became an accountant for Pemex. You know what Pemex is? Is the oil, is just ballers, let's just say that. Man, this, this is so amazing because God is already providing for you right now. Like he already has seen the face of the one that will love you so much. He has already seen your 12. He already has them in store. Listen, God already has everything prepared for you. But can you trust him when you don't see what's going on? Can you trust him when you don't have enough? Can you trust him when things don't seem to be right? See, that's the difference between a multiplying disciple and a disciple that you don't yet want to multiply. Because if you don't trust, you're going to try to manipulate. Man, you just heard what I heard. Right? If you don't trust, you're going to try to manipulate. Man, you're going to try to force your way into it, push your way into it. Or even worse, just quit on it because you don't think it's going to happen anyway. Let's go to the next one. Third characteristic. If we don't get through all of them, it's okay. We got other days. Teachable attitude. A teachable attitude. Lord, I want to park here, but I won't. I'm going to, I'm going to be brief here, I think. A uh, teachable attitude is this. I put Rocky Balboa and Mickey, of course. You guys know Mickey on the right? Yeah, no, Mickey. All right, good, good. So um, Rocky Balboa to me is a great, great example of this. Let me show you the verse though. It says, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house. Sounds like a, the, the little, what's it with the cochinitos? What's it called? They throw the piglets? Okay. Yet it did not fall because he had its foundation on what? Jesus. On the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice. Tell the person who's talking to you. Is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down. The streams rose. And the winds blew and beat against that house. And it fell with a great crash. 
What's the difference between the fall and the rise, between the broken and the stable? It's simply listening and putting it into practice. That's the difference. That's the only difference. How much pain can you avoid by putting things into practice? How much pain, let me repeat that, can you avoid by putting things into practice? It doesn't say understand. It doesn't say get it. It just says do it. How much of God do you need to understand before you have to obey him? Because that happens to us, doesn't it? How much of God do you need to get? How great of a theologian do you need to become to be obedient? Because as far as I know, I don't wait for my child to understand everything for him to obey. I don't need him to understand his digestive system for him to eat his vegetables. Please say amen. So why do you need to understand absolutely everything before God comes as an authority in your life? Now God is so amazing that I believe you search him, you will find every part of it. As a matter of fact, I am yet to have a question that I have not searched that has not been answered. Every time I have a question and I search wholeheartedly in prayer, in fasting, in seeking his face, God brings an answer. Now his answer is not always what I want, but he's always got an answer. He says, nope, or yes, or wait. <laughs> but he always has a great answer. And I can tell you this, never, and I mean never ever, have I not received an answer after seeking his face. It is that beautiful. It is that simple. Whether it's for your emotions, for your finances. But I already prayed. No, bro, that's not a prayer. That is not praying. I sought his face. Where? Where do you look for his face? A church? Really? Do you know what searching after God means? The Bible says, as, as a deer panteth for the water, so my soul longs after thee. Meaning, imagine a deer that's thirsty, like literally just <laughs> panting for water, <laughs> trying to find water. That should be you searching for God. That's what the Bible says. It says, as deep cries out to deep. Meaning, as deep as your longing is, that's how much you'll be satisfied. And so, are you someone who is willing and able to obey? Now, here's the cool thing. Can you obey those people that God has put in your life? Before we go to your leadership, let's talk about parents. Nah, here this thing just got ugly. I'm not saying you should obey your parents in everything. Because I am also a parent. And if I ever say something to my son that contradicts the word of God, I hope he has the wit to say, I'm sorry, dad, but God kind of trumps your authority. My mom, I remember one time God told me to fast, specific time. I think that time was 10 days or something. I was on the fourth day. My mom was like, Pablito, because she still calls me Pablito. I'm 37. She calls me Pablito. Te ordeno como tu madre que comas. I order you, ask your mother to eat. And I, as a good, loving son, said, Ah, really? You taught me this. You taught me to obey God over people. And now you're trying to ask me to do the same. And she's just quiet. You know why? Because God spoke a word into my life. Now, that's very different than dishonoring my family. Now, why do I tell you this? Because sometimes your leadership will tell you something that's so biblical. But you refuse to obey because you think they're attacking you. Even if it's a biblical attack, take it, bro. It's biblical. <laughs> if they're telling you you're being rebellious and you're being rebellious, well, I don't like it. You're being rebellious. Why is it so hard to obey? Let me, let me tell you why. 
Because I know that when you disobey and, listen, when you disobey and you succeed, you get the glory. And so we are always after our own glory. But when you obey, God gets the glory. Just obey the Lord. Obey God. You'll see him glorified. So let me put it like this. A disobedient person, his life, her life, his house, his home will eventually reap what it's sowing. The consequence of disobedience is always the same. It's crushing. It's destructive. It's sad. If you stand on the word of God, which is the rock, which is Christ, please listen. You will always stand no matter what comes your way. Stay obedient. Stay obedient. Stay obedient. Say with me. Stay obedient. Now, let me go to the next one. This is really cool. The next one's probably my favorite. Purpose driven. Now, I put Tim Tebow there. Go ahead and put him there. Yeah. Anybody know who that is? Okay, that, okay, Tim Tebow was this guy that got Eoni to like NFL, which is really awesome. Actually, college football, back when he was in Florida, Eoni still watched him. And it was really amazing. Because this guy here, as amazing as he was, he was named the best leader that ever went through Florida University, the Gators. Um, and uh, it's pretty amazing because he got all these awards, you know, uh, I... The main thing, though, about Tim Tebow that the world knows is not his awards. What they know of him is his conviction and his life. It's amazing, his life on purpose. He has an orphanage in uh, Philippines, but more than an orphanage, he has a heart for anyone who does not know Jesus Christ. He is a byproduct uh, or a survivor of uh, abortion. So his mother was told to abort him, and thank God she didn't. He became an amazing banner Uh, for any scholar athlete and not just that anyone who is succeeding in their career and still managing to glorify God through it this guy is amazing everything in his career was so cool but the coolest thing is this I don't know if you guys heard see it whenever he'd score a touchdown he would do this and it's, it's, it's now known as the t-ball so if you do it I invite you guys to do it if you do score a touchdown sometime you know and it's the t-ball and so what he would do is just kneel down and pray like just give God thank you Everybody would do this, but he would just, he makes sure people knew that he was thanking God. Now, why do I say this? Because even something as trivial as football can be God honoring. Your relationship with your girlfriend, your boyfriend can honor God or can dishonor God. Your job can be honoring. Did you know you can serve coffee with a nasty attitude or serve coffee in such a way that people wonder, huh, what's different about this girl? What's different about this barista? What's different about this guy? Is there something amazing? You know what I'm saying? Like, can you actually glorify God with everything you do? I would say that this is the last day you do things just because. The last day you do things just because. Please, if you hear nothing else, please listen to this. Let this be the last day you go jogging. Just because you are going jogging. Go jogging with a purpose. I mean it, man. Let this be the last day that you go to work. Uh-uh. You go to a mission. Why is that? Because when you actually live on purpose, your whole life is permeated. You're not compartmentalized. You're not a Christian on Friday, on Sunday, and on Wednesday. Then the rest of the time you're struggling. No, you are a child of God. I know there's people here that struggle in their sexuality. When I talk about that, I'm talking about lust. Specifically, that I don't get specific because there's kids here. The reason you're struggling so much because you forget for five minutes what you've been called to do. You become a six-minute atheist. The minute right before, and then after that, you feel like garbage. Let me tell you why that is. It is because you forget your purpose. You forget what you've been made to do. Why God placed you on this earth in the family you've been placed. Let this be the last day, I mean it, that you live just 
because you're alive. You're surviving. You're living with a God-given purpose. What is that purpose? That none should perish and that all would have everlasting life. What is that purpose? To win souls and to make disciples of all nations, teaching them to obey the law. All that God has commanded them. Guess what? You're not alone. The Holy Spirit is with you all the way till the end of the world. There's an incredible purpose. See, I can tell you this. The last time I did something without purpose, it was so messed up. It was so boring, I didn't want to do it again. Now, everything I started doing with purpose gave beautiful fruit, started growing. Not only that, it made sense. Even if it didn't come out the way I wanted to, the purpose of God was in it. Because success is not climbing the ladder. Success is walking in the middle of God's will. Man, success is not getting to the end of it and above everybody else. Success, and this is according to the word of God, is everybody else arriving at the feet of Jesus Christ. Success is walking in the feet of, in, walking in the, in the footsteps of Christ. So why do I tell you this? Do you really do what you do for him? Or do you usually do it to look good so people like you? You get a little bit more. See, most people are in debt, not because they're glorifying God. Most of us, and I include myself in this, whenever we have fallen into debt, I remember this very, very clearly. The one time, I never used my own credit cards, by the way. Never. I mean, I don't use credit cards. I never used my credit card. My brother was the one who helped me run it all the way up. Just blaming him for a little bit, getting off my chest. Thank you guys for the therapy. He, he got a job, and this bank is like, yeah, I need suits. I was like, oh, I don't have money, but I have a card. And so, anyway, reason I tell you is the one time I bought something, it was thinking of someone. And that someone didn't even care. A lot of, oh, I know, oh, say, oh, stupid. You know, <laughs> most of us in this place are not thinking of glorifying God with our finances. Are you? Are you or not? Uh, don't say yes unless you're actually really doing it. But is your money your money or is it his and you're just trying to make him the Lord of it all? You're having a hard time even giving when the giving times come. Like, oh, it's my money. I'm not going to make it through. 10% is going to save me. Nope. It never will. I promise you that much. 10% won't make a difference in your pocket, but it'll make a huge difference in your heart. And a lot of the times giving, man, it is so tied to your purpose. Not only that, giving your time. Giving your time. Most men's purpose is to provide for their family. Dude. The best thing you can provide is you. And so a lot of people think, man, I'm just going to be the provider. I'm going to be the protector. Protect them from you. Provide them yourself. You know how different that is, the mindset and the purpose of God? That you are that person that is to be the priest of your home. The example of the love of God to your children and to your wife. It's really hard to mess things up when you're walking on your purpose. If you don't write anything, write that down because it may help you one day. I th I'm going to write it, actually. <laughs> Let's go to the next one. Oy. Next. Ah, that, that's, that's, that's good. Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but only one, how many? Receive the prize. Run in such a way that you may win. Everyone who competes in the games ex exercises self-control in all things. Therefore, I run in such a way as not without aim. I box in a way as not beating the air. Well, this is cool. Brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind me and reaching forward to what lies ahead of me or ahead. 
In order for you to really be able to live on purpose, you have to be able to leave the past behind. Otherwise, instead of living on purpose, you're going to live on the past. Let me go to the next one. Here we go. By the way, we're going to break these down as the weeks come a little bit. Spend more time in each. I just want to give you an overview. Why? Because every one of the cell leaders, I want you to start helping your people grow in each one of these areas. What I actually did with my 12 back in the day, Eoni knows. Alba, why are you here? Alvis? Her husband is. All right. You're representing. Okay. So husband. Husband of Alba. Uh, Frank, do you remember when we did this with you guys? We actually had them rate themselves from 1 through 10, how they were doing on each one of these areas. And then, remember that? Becky, you were there too? And then you, and then I think we had somebody, well, if you weren't married yet, you weren't married, but uh, the married people had to rate each other. So Frank's like, no, you don't depend on the Holy Spirit. <laughs> what? I got a 10. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Or like, I'm great at having friends. Yeah, but they're shallow friends. It was intense, man. It was like an intense battle. Not Frank's. Frank's was perfect. All 10s across the board. But other people's were crazy. And what this one a really cool thing because it really helped us to focus on each area on their lives. And they're like, man, I really have a heart for God. And you as a leader know they don't have a heart for God. They think they have a heart for God. See, they think they're like, oh, my goodness. Like, they might as well grow wings right now. But in reality, they trade God for anything, anytime, all the time. And then they feel bad and then they repent. But in reality, they already are looking for the next trade-off. So what happens is, is that we don't realize this about ourselves. So what I want to do is you're listening to this, but your cell leaders are going to help you grow in each one of these areas. Is that okay? Okay, now here comes the next part, which is a really practical part. Relationship building. Let me go here. Next. So relationship building, and I love this verse. It's probably one of the rema for like five years in my life. Go back, please. It changed a lot of uh, my perspective as a pastor. I think this is actually what led me to become a pastor. I was not a pastor. I did not want to be a pastor, but this made me a pastor. It didn't make me a pastor. It made me into a pastor. Okay, that didn't make sense. Okay, cool, cool. Now, 1 Corinthians 9, 19, 23. Though I am free and belong to no one, I have made myself a slave to everyone. To win as many as possible. To the Jew, I became like a Jew. To the Mexican, a Mexican. To the black, a black. A white, a white. To win the Jews, the Jews. To Asians, Asians. I'm not leaving you out, Louis. To those under the law. I'm just kidding. I became like one, and Joseph, one under the law. Though I myself am not under the law, so as to win those under the law. To those not having the law, I became like one not having the law. Though I am not free from God's law, by the way, but I'm under Christ's law. So as to win those not having the law. Meaning, hey, I got ghetto when I had to get ghetto. That's what he's saying. I, I, if they were talking thug, I knew thug. Okay? <laughs> to the weak, I became weak. To win the weak. I have become all things to all people so that by all possible means, I might save some. I do all this for the sake of the gospel that I may share in its blessings. Man, that's amazing. I remember when I got that in my spirit, I lost the right to not like people. I'm telling you, I have a really hard time not liking someone. It's like, I feel like that doesn't belong to me. That's not my right. That's not my, I don't get to choose who I like. See, because if I'm out there just to like people or to be liked, then I'm no use to you or to God. Why? Because then I just cut people off, those that are not to my liking. Man, I'm no one to say that. I want to get you close to Jesus Christ. Therefore, I love you. You know why? Because I understand this. God loves me in spite of knowing me. 
Because he knows me, I know he, I know he loves me. Some of you are really, really good and better than me in this. But I can tell you this. I recognize very, very quickly, very, very quickly when a person's not connecting with me and it hurts me deeply. Not because I want to connect with them. Because I know if I can connect with them, maybe I can show them my Jesus. And so I learned about many things. Things I didn't even know I liked. Things I was so far from that I was like, that's, that's not me. See, I thought I was an athlete, so those things were not for me. And then I thought I was that, and then those things were not for me. Then everything became for me. Do you know why? For the sake that I'm, man, I just want to reach one more for Christ. If knowing about makeup helps me, then I'll learn about makeup. I'm telling you this, seriously. If I'm telling, I am mean it 100%. I want to learn the world, because the world needs Jesus Christ. But you don't think of yourself a bridge. You think of yourself as some island that people need to visit and be enamored by. You're the bridge to the kingdom of God. This is the verse that will bless your relationships more than anything. You are so easily hurt at times because you don't understand your God-given position in people's lives. Today, someone, man, someone really, really talked down on me like hard. They don't go to this church. Don't worry about it. And I realized my goal in their life is not to be liked. My goal in, this li in their life is to be like Christ. And so when they respond in such a way, and all I've been doing is blessing this person. When they respond in such a way, I can genuinely say this. I love you. I believe in you even if you don't believe in me or anyone else. I believe in you. Now, I don't believe what you're doing is right. But I believe in you. I believe that God has the best for you. And I want you to be blessed. I don't want you to be alone. I don't want you to be hurt. I want you to have the Christ that saved my life. Why can I tell you this? Because you and I today have a God-given calling. I don't care what your background is. I don't care how old you are. I don't care what you know or don't know. If you know this, you are such a good friend. You just became one of the best friends to everybody in the world. Why? Because now you understand you are the blesser. You're not the person that's needy all the time for somebody to like you. You have your own oxygen tank now. If somebody likes you, it's a blessing. Don't get me wrong. It's a beautiful thing to be cared for. But did you know the Bible says that if you are to be a friend, you ought to show yourself a friend first? But you, how, can you, how can you show yourself a friend if all you're looking for is you? You can't. The best way to become interesting is by being interested. But you cannot be interesting by being interesting. You have to be interested, and then you become interesting. Isn't that interesting? But most of us are trying to be interesting. In reality, God says, get interested in people. I care about them. I love these people. I'm going to put a love in your heart that you had never experienced before. And that's what God will do to you. If you allow that same mindset that Paul had. Are we perfect in this? Absolutely not. But man, I want to be. I really, really want to be. Today, I tell you this. All of you in here should be pastors. <sighs> I mean it. Well, because a pastor is not a title. A pastor is not a degree. A pastor is not a position. A pastor is a heart. What God loved about King David wasn't that he was a king. Please understand. What God loved about King David was that he was a shepherd. In Spanish, there's no difference. Shepherd and pastor, same thing. You don't have a distinction. Pastor, pastor. What are you? A pastor. Oh, pastor? Yeah. <laughs> pastor. Same thing. You're a pastor, you're a pastor. You're a shepherd, that means you're a pastor. You're shepherding sheep. A pastor's heart is what God loves. Let me tell you why. Because he is the good shepherd. If you have that same heart, I promise you, it'll bless you. It'll bless people around you. 
You won't have a hard time doing things that maybe sometimes are hard for you, like forgiving or letting go or seeing the best in people. If you cannot see the best in people, usually it's because you don't understand your position in their life. Your position, your point is what God sees. That is your position. Amen? Oh, man. Amen? Because our family sometimes is the hardest one to see, isn't it? All right, let's go. Next one. Like I said, we're going to spend more time as the weeks go by, and hopefully God will help you guys grow in all of these from like a 5 to a 6 to a 7 to a 10. Amen? Amen. Or those of you that are like a 2, maybe a 2.5. All right, a servant's heart. A servant's heart. Woo, next. A servant's heart, it says, and this is probably the coolest verse in the Bible right after. Okay, this actually is probably the coolest verse. And whoever wants to be first must be? No. Must be slave of all. We translate last because we don't like that word. Okay, okay, okay. So, okay. We must be slave of all. Now, we live in America, and I understand. I also went to class. But listen, you know what a slave is? A person that does work without demanding any rights. Now, the Bible says that whoever wants to be first must become a servant in its truest meaning without demanding recognition or payment. When was the last time you gave without asking for anything in return? And I would tell you, that's the one time you invested into the kingdom of God. Other times, you got your payment, you probably got ripped off. I am getting great, great dividends for my investments because you can't pay me back. <laughs> when was the last time you did something for someone that they could never repay? Please answer because that is a great question. I'm trying to make you a kingdom investor. When was the last time you did something for someone that they could not repay? I'm going to finish with this point. Next week we'll cover the rest of it. If you understand that for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. If we could understand that Jesus Christ didn't tell you, he taught you. He didn't just tell you, he showed you with his life. Let me show you how to die for other people. What? Those who want to be my disciples must pick up their claws. Their, their claws. <laughs> must pick up their, some of you guys do it. Like you become a Christian, we go all crazy. Right? No, pick up their cross and then follow me. Wait, hold on. Follow you where? Where do you go with the cross? To Calvary? To your death place? My pastor told me the best marriage advice I've ever heard. Raise a generation for Jesus and die. Like, die when? Like now. Always, every day, all the time. Die to yourself. You can't hurt a cadaver. Wow. <laughs> I'm making sense. Like, if you're dying to yourself, you're blessing the other person. It's amazing how beautiful it is. But when I am alive, man, that's when it really hurts. It's so harsh, but it's so beautiful. What God says, when you become a servant, when you start serving other people, you don't have to raise yourself. I'll glorify you. I'll put you in a place of honor. Don't sit in the front just because you think you're good. Let God put you in a place of honor. Amen. Today's an amazing day because today God wants to work in your character. I want you to stand up with me, please. Let's go one more, si one more slide. I don't think there was the... No, 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 no. No. <laughs> no. Stop it, Alex. One... Okay, go one more slide just for fun. That's next time. <laughs> All right, cool, cool. So... Um, Please stand up with me for a second. How do you actually get to a place, this is really cool, where you start growing and you start developing? I'm gonna, I told you a secret right last week and that I like welding and I started welding. And, um, and it's something that you guys don't know, but I really enjoy it. 
I love melting metal for some reason. It's just fun. And, uh, and I want to get good at it just because I hate sucking at things. Um, but I started welding and I, I got a coach, a welding coach that I don't know his name, but he's the best welder I saw in all of Instagram. And so this guy started helping me and coaching me and da da da, right? Well, this week uh, I'm doing this job for this, this, he's like an artist, honestly. He does really beautiful work. And um, like a, a table will serve for, sell for a couple thousand dollars, you know? He's like beautiful stuff. And this table was going to be for a local artist. And so I'm welding this table. And he's like, man, it got really bent out of shape. And of course, I know that he bends things out of shape. But what I did not know was how to not it bent out of shape. So I figured I'd start clamping the thing when I'm welding. You guys don't care about that. But anyway, so as I'm doing all these things, I cannot figure it out because it's still bending because a lot of heat. And you know what I had to do? I had to refer to my welding discipler my welding leader and I said well how do you do this thing so of course I look and via internet miraculously my leader speaks to me and gives me the answer that I did not have anyway he told me weld the thing to the table then you saw it off and then you all these things he said oh cool cool and then you weld like this is you know what's crazy about this that you think you're growing you think you're developing but you will reach a limit unless someone's there to call you out someone's there to say you're doing it wrong and because of that, you're going to lose some things in your life. You will never be as God wanted you to be because you cannot get there on your own. Why? Because you will get all the glory. Let God get some glory. Let God be used in your life for transformation through other people. Why not? Through people sometimes that you don't like how they talk to you. but Maybe you'll love the result. I know for sure that you are here today because God wants to form your character. Formation Fridays is not information Fridays. It's there for your transformation. God wants to grow you. But you cannot if you don't know what aspects of your life to grow in. I just gave you six very clear aspects. Some of you took notes. Some of you guys will hear this on the podcast. By the way, we reached our 100 podcasts. And then, now it's like 102. Um, and it's really, really beautiful. It's blessing a lot of people. Um, it's blessing me for sure. Um, but... One of the things, I was listening to Frank's sermon, man, that one was awesome. Thank you, Frank. Good word. Um, and I remember like, you know, the, the, when I reached back to this guy, I felt so good because I like, even if I don't know something, I have someone that will tell me. And I can go further. I can do things that I can do. There's some, something so silly as welding. But you guys, do you have someone in your spiritual life, in your soul, emotions, intellect, and will that can challenge you, shut you up if you need to shut your mouth and speak louder when you need to voice your opinion. Or maybe that will encourage you when you're down or you're a little too high up, will bring you down a little bit, just a notch. Amen? Do you have that kind of person? Do you have a discipler? The G12 vision is amazing. Not because it grows you know, huge churches. I don't care. I'm telling you, I don't care. We could bring pizza and grow a big church. Or bands and stuff. We want to grow people. I want to make sure that this coming year, we're multiplying disciples. That when people see you, say, man, I want what you have. I don't want religion. I want what you have. And if the outcome is, is beautiful, people will know. They'll say, hey, by their fruits, you shall know them. They don't even know they're going to be quoting the Bible. Am I making sense? So what I want to do is this. I want to pray to God that he makes you 
Someone who's hungry for these things, for growth. So your leader will be challenging with these. At the, this coming year, you'll be challenged in each area of your life, of your character, of your vision. I'm done, guys. Seriously, I am not going to put any more years into just preaching ever again in my life. I will form the people that God has entrusted me with according to his character and to his image. If someone doesn't like it, I'm so glad because maybe it's working. For me, I needed someone to speak to me. doesn't mean it's got to be rude. All it means is it's got to be real. It has to be true. It has to be word. It cannot be something that tickles our ears. So here's what's going to happen. You're going to ask God today to make you a good disciple of Christ. That he would put people in your life that you would listen. Not just any random person. Somebody that loves God and loves you enough to tell you. Whatever you need to hear. Amen. You're going to ask God to form your character. As I will ask God to form my character. Man, Lord knows I have a long way to go. But I'm so hopeful. Because I have a pastor. Because I have a vision. Because I have a ministry. More than that. I have transparency with my wife. She knows me. She sees me. And I listen to her. I listen to my pastor. And he has authority over my life. If I ever step a line, I know he's willing, able, and my wife has his phone number. I know I have an authority over my life. That makes me trustworthy, which will be one of the points on the road. Let me pray for you, yeah? Close your eyes. Dear God, I ask you right now, there's somebody in this place. God, somebody in this place that's having a hard time growing, developing. I pray to you right now, Lord God, that you break a wall. Maybe there's someone here, God, that's been really, really wanting and they don't know what they've been wanting. But I know, Lord, that they're tired of being stuck in the same level, in the same place. I pray now, God, that you take them to whole new heights. That this coming year, God, will be a year of incredible, tremendous multiplication in their life. Multiplication in their ministry, in their job, in their finances, God. Multiplication in every area of their life. God, speak, change, God. Bring transformation. Holy Spirit, we open up our ears to you. Come on, tell God that you want to hear his voice. Tell God that you want to change. Whatever it is that you want to tell him, tell him now. But make sure that it's a hungry prayer. A prayer that is not just half-hearted. A prayer that God would hear and say, yeah. That's the kind of person I'm looking to invest into. Dear God, I ask you right now, Lord, that if there's somebody here that recognizes that their heart is not truly yours yet, that their, their heart is always competing and things are always pulling him or her away from you, that today their heart for you, God, would be strong. Their heart for you, God, would count everything else as garbage for the sake of knowing you, Jesus. Lord God, if there's someone here that has been not really depending on you, Holy Spirit, but they've been depending on circumstances or people or emotions, God, I pray right now, Lord, that you speak, that you transform their hearts, transform their lives, God. That you help them to relinquish control, God, that they would give you the control of their lives. God, right now, please take control. Take control of the situation, of the circumstance, as you already have. But rather take control of our hearts even more, God, of our thoughts. I pray right now, Lord, that there's someone here struggling in any area of your lives. Right now, God speaks through his word, through his people, and through his character. Trust in me, he says. I love you. I care for you. 
Sometimes you don't realize, but God actually cares. He cares about you. He doesn't just love you. He cares. He cares about every detail, every day, every minute, every person. He cares. He actually cares about you. God, we trust you. We trust your goodness, your kindness, your ability to provide in every area. Did you know God's name is I am? Because he sometimes will be needed to be the great I am. The one who can fulfill and supply every need. So that when you ask, who can help me? Who's my hope? You'll say, oh, I know that I am the great I am. So that when you ask, where will I find my joy? Who's my reason to smile? And Jesus will say, I am. You're here tonight in desperate need as I am of more of God. So just tell him, God, please help me to relinquish control. Let me give you control of my life. Control of people. I don't want to control anyone. God, I want you to be in control. God, I want you to be in control. I don't want to control even my future because I would mess it up. God, you take control. Take my future, God. Take my past. Take all that I am, my dreams, my hopes, my desires. Take me, God. Take it, God. Take it. God, do with it what you want to do, Lord. Please. I want to depend on you. When things are out of my control, I know that you're still in control. You will never lose control, God. God, make us teachable, please. Make us real disciples, not just Christians. People that are willing to obey you, God, when it counts, when things are not easy. God, help us to do what you say quickly, not to delay your commandments. God, help us, please, to be obedient. Help her be obedient. Help him be obedient, God. May our lives will never, ever be of this honor to you or to ours, God. I thank you because I know that we have a great purpose in you. A purpose that is heavenly, a purpose that is not earthly. More than a job or more than a career, God, we have a race to run and that is your race, God. All the way to the end until you call us home. So you could say, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in those little things. Now, I will give you so much more. Come into the joy of the Lord. God, I thank you because I know, I know that I know in my heart, I know, God, that every person in this place has a great purpose in you. Let them see it in this season, God. This season is yours. This season belongs to them in you, God. Please let them see you. Let them see the ruin that they would be without you, God. Please. We need you, God. Everything we do with purpose. Today we die to a life without aim, God. I ask you to help us, God, to be more like you to people around us. To be true servants. To really care for people. To forget quickly about offenses and always remember that you, Christ, paid for them. Jesus, we forgive because you forgave us first. Jesus, we love because you loved us first. Jesus, we want to bring the world to your feet. We want to bring the world to salvation because that's what you offered us. Jesus Christ, use us, please. Forgive us, please, if ever we act self-centered or selfish. We love you, God, and we want to do the same with other people. I ask you one last thing, God, in this place, and that is we are looking to serve each other. Genuinely with a good, intentional heart that is yours. That we could actually love each other and care for one another. That this church, God, would be the kind of church full of servants. 
servant leaders. That we understand the concept of leadership, not as the world knows it, but as you Christ described it. He who wants to be first shall be last. A servant to all. A slave to everyone. That we do not expect payment for our love or for our care towards other people. God, I thank you because you began a new thing today. I can feel it. I can see it, God. We're excited to see what's coming. We're excited to see how you grow this church, these disciples. How you grow our families, God. How do you grow our ministry. We're excited, God. We welcome the new thing. We welcome it, God. We welcome, God. We welcome it. We welcome reproof, God. We welcome sometimes confrontation, God. We welcome it, God. We welcome formation, God. We welcome encouragement. We welcome, God, the miracles that will come through the transformation of your children. The Bible says, guys, the Bible says this, that the creation eagerly awaits the revelation of the children of God. The world is waiting for a child of God to show up and show them what it looks like to be a son of the Most High God. Jesus, we love you. Thank you. We want to be like you. In your name we pray. Amen. Give God a round of applause. We love you guys so much. And next week we'll cover the other six. Uh, there's something really, really cool. Joseph, are you here? Where's Joseph at? Yes. Those of you guys that don't know Joseph, today you will because he bought you guys all food. Yes. It's his birthday and he brought you all food. We should be giving him food. So, Joseph, thank you so much. There's a bunch of pizzas outside. There's cake. We love you so much, and uh, I would sing, but I don't know how to sing, so. Joseph, we love you so much. God bless. Where's Benito? Benito. It's your birthday too? Wow. Did you bring us food, Benito? Where's Benito at? Ah, just kidding. Happy birthday, Benito. God bless you, bro. Happy birthday. Happy birthday to you. Marco's going to sing a happy birthday to you and give you a big hug. Big, hairy hug. All right. God bless you guys. Let's go. Bye.
Choose. 